Let's go to the word of the Lord, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father God, would you help us? Would you speak to us? And Lord God, we know that you are known by the scars that Jesus endured for us. And Paul was known by those scars on his own body. He carried the scars of Christ. And Lord, may our lives as well carry the testimony of a faithful God through our faithful witness. We ask you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like, you have outlines tonight, but also you have your Bibles. I want to share with you a portion of Scripture. It's from Psalm 34, and I want to share with you tonight about battle scars. How many of you have been through something? Anybody been through something? I'm not defining it. I'm just calling it something. Right? You've been through something. You've got something that you've been through that you can help maybe somebody else. And I want to talk about battle scars tonight. And in Psalm 34, it says this, verse 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Anybody here ever have a broken heart? Anybody have a broken heart? I think it's a majority here. I think we've got everybody with a broken heart. If you've lived long enough, you've had a broken heart. It comes sooner to some than others, but it will eventually uh, reach everyone. If you've had life and breath in your lungs, you know what a broken heart is like, right? On different dimensions, different. How about crushed in spirit? Crushed in spirit, disappointed, crushed. Uh, expectations, just dashed. You know, he's, it says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, in Isaiah 61, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And, and the word for broken in that verse in Isaiah 61, and the same concept here of being crushed in spirit, is shards of glass. If you're to tr- take something like a glass jar and just drop it on the floor, there's so many pieces you can't really glue it back together again. But God can do the impossible. If He's going to resurrect a body that's been dead for 2,000 years or 20,000 years, however, you know, people have lived and died, and the resurrection's going to come, He's going to put us all back together. How many of you know that? He knows the DNA code that is, represents your body, and He'll just plug it in, call it in, and there you are. <laughs> but you've been crushed, I've been dashed to pieces, brokenhearted. Some of you, again, more than others, life's been pretty hard on you. What I have found interesting is that most people who get saved are the people who have had their hearts broken and their spirits crushed. When I minister to people who are in life and I ask them about their brothers and sisters and ask how they were doing, they were fine. It seems like the people I'm counseling, and they were like what were called the black sheep of the family, the outcasts or the ones ignored this and that. But you know, there's something about that. It's because when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you find God. Because self-sufficient people usually don't need God. Because they're handling it themselves. But how many of you know that's a dead-end street? Self-sufficiency, you're not good enough to get through this. Nobody is. And, and so, uh, I don't know if you've been brokenhearted and crushed in spirit sooner or later. And even when you're saved, you can be brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, can't you? Because you still have to love other people and let them love you. And when you love, it's dangerous. How many of you know that? You put your heart out there, it's easily broken. But isn't who was the first one who had his heart broken? The very first one who had his hopes and dreams dashed because of a love relationship? God. God. So he's near. He draws near to those who are brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. And the reason he draws near to us is because we truly want him and we truly need him. There are, how many of you have heard of people who are, have a foxhole conversion? That's an old term because people don't go in foxholes anymore. <laughs> but the idea is when, when trouble's there, right, the guy that's drowning and saying, if you save me, I'll give you the, my life and, and I'll go to seminary and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And then he, someone rescues him and he gets to shore and he forgets the promise he made. There's a lot of people who come to the Lord that way and don't stay. Because they really weren't drawing near to him. They just needed a, a ladder, a foothold, anything to get out of where they're at. But truly, when you come to a knowledge of Jesus, you've come to a knowledge of the end of yourself, 
And that's why He draws near to us. He rescues us. And there's no love like that, that kind of love that rescues. Now, how many of you know that wounds are inflicted and the enemy comes when someone is inflicted, when someone is wounded, the vultures come. Uh, you see Western movies, people out in the West, and when you see birds, vultures circling, what are they circling? Something that's just about to die, right? And we have an enemy that is prowling and trying to find those who are wounded, those who are crushed in spirit, broken in spirit, those who are wounded and afflicted, and the enemy comes in to try to devour them. And so he's circling our lives. So wounds can get infected. Wounds are inflicted. You can have a wound from, you know, you can have a wound for, from other people. You can have a wound from life. A tornado might come and just destroy your house, and, and it just devastates you, and you're wounded. A, a, a fire or a car accident. It doesn't have to be the devil and it doesn't have to be somebody else. It can just be life. And you're wounded and broken and the enemy can come in. So we can be inflicted or affected by life and wounded. Now, what the enemy wants to do is infect that wound. I don't know if you've ever been hurt, you've ever been cut, mistake, an accident, you get inflicted by a wound. And if you don't tend to the wound, what will happen? It can get infected from dirt, disease, uncleanness. And the enemy wants to come into where you're wounded. He's looking for wounded people. Okay? So he, he's hanging out where wounded people are, and he wants to infect the wound. How can he infect our woundedness? Think of some words that... Uh, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, that can say bitterness, all right? Describe bitterness for me over a wound. Hatred, anger. Say, talk louder. Frustration. What was over here? Revenge, yeah. Bitterness, frustration. This infects woundedness. Anybody been there? Anybody tasted those things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, you want justice. Rejection, right. Unforgiveness, yeah. So these are infections that come into our woundedness. So we have to tend to our woundedness. And isn't it good that that psalm we read is that the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted and broken in spirit because we need first aid. We need a first responder. And, and a first responder is God, especially to the believer. Your first responder is Jesus. He's drawing close to you. But sometimes our flesh gets the best of us. Sometimes, and I've had this happen uh, quite often, uh, I know what is the right thing to do, but sometimes it feels good to be bitter. Does that make sense to you? Has anybody ever experienced that? I don't know if I'm just putting myself out there, but sometimes it feels good to be think about that issue and go, you know, I chew on it for a while, and, and you know, you've got to go through that stuff. And then the Lord says, you know, we need to cleanse that wound. We really do. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I know you're supposed to, but I just don't know. And so we need to understand, and we need to get some help we need God to minister to that wound so it doesn't get infected. And if you've been wounded once, uh, what happens in the way you live your life? Cautious. Because what? why? You don't want to get wounded again. So what comes into the wound? Fear. You hold back. We hold back with God. How many of you have ever been disappointed with God? Anybody? All right? Sure, because He's our friend, He's our Lord, He's our God, right? And we pray and we seek God. We think we have what we're supposed to be praying about. We're asking God and all our dreams and faith and hope are in something and it's like, what's the deal? And you, you get mad at Him, right? You get wounded. So what happens? You're afraid to trust in Him again. Yeah, did you leave me? Did you forsake me? 
And so, I mean, this is what we all go through. Everybody here, don't anybody pretend that, you're, that this not, is not part of your life. Give me a break. All right? Unless you're like one day old. Um, and if it's not, we'll pray for you for tomorrow. But you've got to do something with it. You've got to do something with it when it comes God says we can't let this wound get infected. That's why so often, once a month, and and it would be great to do it more often, uh, but what happens with people is it just becomes some routine. But we take communion. And we don't understand the depth of communion. We don't understand the workings of communion into our woundedness. We've got to take that bread that is the bread of affliction that He took our sorrows, our sufferings, and our brokenness, that His blood cleanses us from that unforgiveness and the bitterness and the issues that we're dealing with. And in order for us to not take that meal unworthily, we have to forgive others as we've been wounded. I mean, this thing, what what's, Protestants don't understand the depth of the Eucharist, which is a Greek word. Don't worry, the Catholics don't own it. Eucharist means thanksgiving. It's a Greek word that means a, the meal of thanksgiving. It's a powerful and important thing that we take as a people. But so often for, for evangelical Christianity, it's just like, you know, okay, it's something we remember. Uh, but it's more than that. It's you getting your heart right from your woundedness and having the medication of Jesus medicate your soul. Does that make sense to you? And so I need some medication. I need Jesus to medicate my soul. And he's so good that he put it in something physical. Because sometimes when I close my eyes and pray, it just isn't enough. i got to eat and chew bread to consider that my God was that physical and real to solve my problems. And I have to drink wine to know that as it is digested into my system, that's as real as my forgiveness is. And I have to manifest forgiveness for somebody else or my wound is going to get infected. Some of you tonight might be infected. You might have wounds that are infected. We're not here to say, oh, bad you. We're here to say there's a first aid remedy, first responder, and there's salve to come heal you. Now, I I was on vacation a couple weeks ago. My wife and I, I think, yeah, Traverse City. We went up to Traverse City. and, And I saw a slogan up there that's now become one of my favorite slogans. I don't use it too much because it might be a little offensive. But John Wayne said this, life is hard, it's even harder if you're stupid. (laughs) I kind of like that. Now, my saying that I've said for years is life is hard, but I'm getting better at it. I thought that was pretty clever, but I think John Wayne wins. <laughs> this is the counterpart to it. You know, life's hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody down. We, we all go through hard times, but if you don't learn from it, yeah, so, so there it is. We're supposed to learn from what we've been through and learn from our woundedness so that we can go on. And that's what Jesus offers us. It's a word called redemption. To redeem means to buy back. To redeem means to restore. Redeem the times for the days are evil. Buy back from from what has failed. Buy back from what has broken that which can be restored. And Romans 5.3, I want to read it to you. It's in your Bible. You can check to make sure it's there. Romans 5, 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, how many of you put rejoice with suffering? James does. Count it all joy. Yeah, when you enter into the trials of your temptation. You know, it's like, come on, really? Yeah, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing. There's where you're no longer stupid. Life's hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. So don't get stuck on stupid right? What was that colonel, that general who said that? I loved it. I forget who it was. It was I think it was during 9-11, wasn't it? Uh, he was interviewed, and they kept asking him dumb questions, and he finally said, uh, you know what? Just don't get stuck on stupid. Stop asking stupid questions. We don't want to get stuck on stupid. We're going to go through suffering, and how are we going to go through it? Knowing that suffering 
produces the first thing what? Endurance, perseverance, to endure. Right? If, if, if you weren't exposed, that's what, how many of you know that's what inoculations are? That's what, uh, uh, what do you call this? Immunization. Yeah, that's what they, they call that when you get these shots, right? They give you a little bit of it so that you become immune to it. Well, we're never immune to suffering, but the idea is it's going to produce a, a, an ability to endure, what you couldn't endure when you were five, you can now endure when you're 10 and 15, right? Some of you have endured some pretty tough things, but you're here. You made it. Someone else might be entering into it the first time, but you're able to say you can get through this thing, right? So suffering produces endurance, and then endurance builds something up. Endurance builds what? What's the next word? Character. Character. What is character? steadfastness stoutness the ability to endure right to have character means to be to be uh, righteous to to have quality in who you are you you can have how many of you know someone of character why do you go to them and why do you call them someone with character you can do what trust them they're trustworthy right road tested You've had them as a friend, and they're still sticking closer than a brother. They're there. All right? So suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces what? Hope. Vision. Casting beyond your situation. Uh, Most of you that are over 50 have a sense that, to the younger folks, you can get through this thing. Been there, done that. How many of you have that t-shirt, right? Been there, done that. Ladies, you've given birth to a child. So a woman who hasn't given birth yet, you're like, got the shirt. Been there, done that. You can do this. Right? And they're going like, I don't think I can. Till the ninth month comes and it's like, get this kid out of me. Right? I've watched, only observed. I haven't participated. All right. Characters produce hope. Hope does not put us to shame. In other words, you won't be disappointed. So do you see what happens? We don't want to get stuck on stupid. Life is hard, yeah, but it's harder if you don't endure and don't build character and don't have hope. Then it gets harder and harder and harder. And so he says this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the key to all of this, the bedrock to all of this, is that when you've been brokenhearted, when you've been troubled, when your soul has been shattered and dashed, God's poured love into you. And because His love is there, that's the thing that's going to medicate your woundedness so you don't become bitter, but you're in fact going to produce endurance. My God loves me. It's not going to stay this way anymore. I know if God is on the throne, then prayer is going to change this situation. And I don't know when and I don't know how, but I do know God is going to love me enough to get me through this thing because of His character and His patience and His long-suffering. Love secures and restores hope and character and endurance. Let me tell you of a story of someone who walked with a limp. You know this guy, Jacob. If you were to see Jacob after his time at Peniel Peniel, with God, you'd see him like this. Um, why Why would Jacob, the rest of his life, after being at Peniel... Why, why would he walk like this? Because he wrestled with God. And this guy was tough. His name Jacob, supplanter, means grabber of the heel. He'll trip you up. And that's what he did. Jacob was nasty, right? And so what happened is the angel of God met with him because Jacob had the birthright and the God of Abraham and Isaac was coming to visit Jacob. And when he came to visit Jacob, Jacob wrestled with the angel. And that angel was just not any angel. It was a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Because when he wrestled with that angel, when it was over, he called the place Peniel. All right? 
the face of God. I wrestled with God. He realized it. And as he's wrestling and, and this, the dawn is coming and Jacob is such a heel grabber, he grabbed onto the angel of God and wouldn't let him go. And the angel, uh, I think, appreciated that kind of tenacity. And he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. Jacob was broken. He had been lied to. He had been scandaled. Remember he married, he wanted to marry Rachel? Remember we talked about this. And who did he get? Leah. And, and uh, he had to work 14 years. He couldn't get out. And he was afraid of his brother Esau because he connived and cheated him. His life was in danger. Things are a mess. He's, and God he needed to get a hold of him. He was brokenhearted. And God wrestled with him and he, and he said, bless me, bless me, bless me. Gave him a new name, and then God just bopped him on the hip. Angel could have took him any time. That's when you realize you don't mess with God, but God is willing to be wrestled with. He just went, and he went, oh! But that limp reminded Jacob of the promises of God and that he was God's. And that he learned and developed character and endurance and hope. And he had 12 children, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's someone who walked with a limp. He had his scars because of what he had been through. Isn't it interesting that God didn't heal his limp? God didn't heal what wounded him. Because sometimes God doesn't heal what wounds us so that we don't forget what makes us who we are. His faithfulness in that situation. We want and we have a theology that makes you 100% well, 100% happy, 100% of the time. And I don't read that anywhere in here. I can't find that anywhere in here. I'm sorry. I can't. But what I find is that God... It lets people be wounded and he heals their souls to trust in him. There are times you may continue with a limp. You may have experienced something horrible, but you still have the scar even though you've been healed. But that's so that you have perseverance, endurance, character, and hope. These are things that the church needs to reestablish in itself because there's a world out there full of a world of hurt. And, the, and the, the church is presenting a gospel that's all flower and lemonade and roses. And these people try it for a year and a half and they don't got it and so they don't think there's a God. But what they need is limping Christians who have a faith and a character that says, my God is true. And though he gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, I will still praise him. In the high places, in the low places, I'm still going to praise my God. I know what it is like to be, have all that I need or to be abased, Paul said. I've found the secret. It's contentment. Because my God will meet me there. Because most of all, we have a God who understands pain. And what this does is so that you understand this is the reason you still have scars, battle scars and wounds, and the reason you went through it was to develop a character in you that someone else could count on. And a hope in desperate situations that you can give to somebody else. And that's what 2 Corinthians is all about in chapter 1, verse 4. Paul says, God, who comforts us all in our affliction, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now that's Paul trying to figure out what he said. Basically he said this, uh, that the comfort God gave you going through what you went through, you now have to pass on to somebody else. Give a testimony to somebody else that God's going to be there for you. God's going to be there for you. 
So I can talk to somebody who's gone through losing someone in suicide. I can talk about that. I can talk to someone who, uh, concerning the pains and depression of death and losing dear, dear loved ones in your life. I can talk about brokenness. I can talk about broken relationships. I can talk about feeling betrayed. I can talk about all those things because I went through hell going through those, but I know the God who has overcome hell, and He brought me out of that place. And I can share that with someone and say, hold on, hold on. And we need to tell that to a dying world out there. We need to be the people who are there, right? We don't need to be on an ivory tower saying, come up here, try and reach me. No, we need to be in the pit saying, I know how to get out of this thing, follow me. And the reason we know and the reason we still have scars is because there was one who bore the scars for us who still has scars, will see the scars on his hands, will see the scars in his side and on his feet, and it was yet for the, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why did Jesus have to endure pain? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Did he need character produced? He did it so that we would have a way out of our death. The ultimate suffering and the ultimate pain you and I are going to have to endure, He did it for us. So that when we go to that place and when we get to the place of our own death, He's there to say, this is the way out. Amen. And so I close with this. I told you I'm not going to talk long. But Job 11, 15 and 16 says this, Surely then you will lift up your face without blemish. You will be secure and will not fear. You will forget your misery. You will remember it as waters that have passed on by. Waters that run by. And that's in the book of Job. And, and when I read that, I heard it as a prophetic statement. That you can say to people who are in that place of brokenness, in that place of trouble, people who are having to, to go through, you begin to prophesy, you begin to give them a promise and say, you know what, you're going to get through this thing unblemished. Unblemished? Do you see what I did, man? I smashed up my arm. Okay, you might limp, but your soul can make it through unblemished. In other words, God can restore a broken heart. And he said, your misery is going to be something that like a river, like a stream, you ever throw a stick or see a leaf or see something in a river, you throw it and it just goes right on by and down the river and it's gone. And he says, the misery you once had, you shall know that it's like this water that it's run by. All the misery's gone by. I've had some really difficult things that have occurred in my life, and I can tell you they are like waters that have run by. I have the scars, and I have the comfort that God gave me through them, but it doesn't crush me anymore. My misery is like the waters that have run by. And so we need a people who can speak to that. So what I want to do is I'd like us to talk about our battle scars. I'm going to ask you to consider maybe some of the wounds that you have endured and might possibly be able to share with somebody else and to encourage someone and tell them you're going to get through this thing. And so, I don't know where my buddy is. Ben, are you around? Or Brandon? I'm using the check, 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 green. Okay. What I'd like to do is, I'm just going to, to help start this thing, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask someone, uh, has anybody lost a dear loved one and is able to stand and say to someone who may have just lost someone, that God's going to get you through it. If you want to say that, stand up. All of you, whoever raised your hand. All right? Stand up, all of you who raised your hand because you got something to say. All right? Um, and, you want to, and you want to say a word of encouragement. So what I don't need is a sermon, and we don't want 
a long, detailed story. What we want is, because someone sitting in this room needs to be encouraged, we need you to give a prophetic exhortation, uh, edification, or comfort word. And we'll start here, and just go ahead and share. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I had lost my beloved brother when I was 16. He was no longer with me. Wow. And he uh, said that often that the Lord helped me through that by giving me a greeting and showing me how he healed the joy of being completely honored. And it was just a joy and comfort to me to know the Lord took me through that at that moment. Amen. Amen.
Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Amen. 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 <laughs> but really, I mean, you guys hear it. A lot of people have heard the story on the radio and stuff. And it's like, uh, you picture it, it's like you've been really, oh, you're good. You're hearing, I don't know, the encouragement story. But it was really awful. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great.
Amen. Amen. So, we've experienced death. Um, anybody here experienced divorce? Anybody been through a divorce and in, in God's, you've been able to get through and continue to live? If you want to share just to help somebody else know that they can get through, just stand up and, and uh, we'll let you share.
Amen. Amen. So, you know, those are just two examples, and I, I'm sure everybody can stand up and talk about different wounds. I'm going to take one more, 
Um, and that is this. Anybody living with an ailment or a sickness uh, that you're, you're living with and you're getting through it with God's help that you want to encourage someone else to, to hang in there and deal with it. Uh, if you want to raise your hand or stand if you can uh, and you want to share just encouragement. Well, let's have you sit for a minute, Phil. <laughs> you've, got, you've, you've got a lot of encouragement. Yeah. Amen. Just Judy here.
numerical science. My testimony is to show you that an answer from confirmation is indirectly. Amen. Praise God. Amen. How many of you have experienced uh, a traumatic event in your life, like an accident or uh, an injury? Just raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever been betrayed by someone? Okay. So, we don't have to pretend here. We've all been through a lot. You heard just a few testimonies. What I, what I love about this is, and, and we have from the miraculous, instantaneous, crazy, outrageous healings to those who are enduring their pain but still worshiping God, right? And, and that is a full-bodied faith. That is a faith that says, my belief in the Lord doesn't depend on my circumstances, but because God invaded my life and rescued me. And so we've got battle scars, all of us, and this is why the church needs each other, and this is why we can minister to broken people. It's because we've been there and done that, and God is still carrying us. Amen? So I want to close tonight with some worship time, and maybe some of you need to move in the theme of forgiveness that we had tonight. We talked about forgiving God, forgiving others. We talked about kind of making things right with the Lord or figuring, figuring them out. Some of you need that strength to endure and keep going, depending on what you're going through. Let's just spend some time in worship and let God minister to us. Amen? And if you want to come to the altar, please feel free. But let's, uh, let's ask God to give us wisdom.